previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. I didn't particularly like the controls, the aiming system seemed quite off. Obviously there's no progression in the graphics, but there were so many additions to this that just took away any feeling of tension or horror for me. You know, this on-screen map indicator, I mean, it regresses the art of finding a destination to the level of ease fit for a primary school child. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> kind of taking by the hand and saying, go there, go there, go there. I mean, it's just fucking, it's literally kindergarten. But and you've got an enormous arrow that just literally points you towards you. For me, that really just takes away any slight ounce of tension that was so thinly spread across this game anyway. You can turn them off. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Project Umbrella podcast, hurtling in faster than a T-virus loaded missile and eradicating all members of TerraSave with a blowtorch. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, and joining me on the podcast today is Newsbot. Hello. The Batman. Hello. George Trevor. Just call me Mr. Popular. (laughs) And our very special guest for this evening, it's Archelon. Well-respected member of the Biohazard community. With over 3,000 posts on the Horror is Alive. But only 400 posts on the Project Umbrella forums. Regular contributor to the Resident Evil Mythos. Part of the old school Biohazard Collective. From the east coast of the United States of America, it's Archelon. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, uh, as we speed through the podcast, it's a very special one today. We're looking at Biohazard Damnation, which has only been on formatted release 48 hours. So we're going to be looking at that in a lot of detail. Before that, we're going to be looking at all the latest news. There's not a lot, I can assure you. So we'll hastily go through that, because I know a lot of you will want to hear what we have to say about Damnation. So brand new, so fresh, there's still lots to speculate about organisations, organisms, and you know the consequences of the movie and then after our discussion on damnation we're finishing with neptune and Newsy's biohazard quiz which if you were listening to the last podcast will know it's the last in the series where we will be crowning a winner now mr spencer's absence from the podcast make it slightly interesting so i'll have to think of something quickly on the spot later but before we do that let's crack on with the news The first bit of news is the Biohazard Halloween Horror Night is now open for a limited time at the Osaka theme park near to the Capcom Studios in Japan. There is a haunted house and a zombie parade in a Raccoon City-esque cityscape. 
And there's also Xbox 360 kiosks available playing Biohazard 6. Now, I'm not sure how many people saw this news, but it was on Biohaze, so thank you to them for the news. I was just wondering how many of us or our listeners are actually going to be able to make that. Well, know, but it's, it's still exciting. I don't know if you've yeah. ever been to... Uh, I went to Thorpe Park last year, and they do these kind of Fright Night things where there's actors roaming around, and you go around in kind of mazes. And there was a very specific kind of Biohazard outbreak one, and you kind of wait in the queue and some creepy man in a kind of biohazard suit keeps walking out you know in the queue to keep you entertained and then there's some doctor there with a research pad noting down people's names waiting in the queue and then you kind of go inside and uh, you're set you in a group of about six you're separated put into kind of like lockers and then actors come and bang on the walls and then you're kind of released into this kind of hospital vibe maze area and you've got to go around in your group i don't know people have probably experienced them and there's kind of supposed to be like zombie type creatures and things like that and it's really quite exciting and made me think at the time wouldn't it be great if they did a kind of horror night biohazard theme and they have uh six flags here in the states uh, you all may or may not be aware of this i think in association with gamestop is doing something similar through, uh, I believe, October 6th. They're going to have kiosks with the game playable. Uh, I don't think they're doing quite like a whole uh, kind of themed uh, maze or attraction or anything, but they're doing something. With Resident Evil? Yes. Oh, wicked. I saw, I'm sure I saw other news about Silent Hill they're going to do something as well. Over yeah, I think that's uh, Universal Studios is doing that. Oh, okay. That'd be good as well. Other news, the S.D. Perry novels have been re-released. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Every week, if it's not Paul Anderson, it's got to be Perry now. They have been re-released. Someone on the forums that showed me this on the novel thread. They've been re-released with a brand new cover. Sorry, am I being ridiculously too harsh without having read them, kind of categorising them in the same, you know, putting them in the same genre with Paul Anderson and Confidential Report and all that sort of stuff? Um, I'm sorry, you can compare them to the no, movie. It's not confidential. No, I'm that, 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 I put that there for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, I mean, I've not, has anyone here read them and, and as proper Resident Evil fans enjoyed them? They're better than the movies. I read them all in about the span of a week, I think. And, of course, I was a lot younger when I read them. So I imagine if I went back and read them now, my opinion would probably be different. But I enjoyed them for what they were back then. I think I would say they're definitely better than the movies. S.D. Perry only injects, I think, maybe one or two of her own original characters into the overarching plot, but they are in no way come to the presence of Alice in the movies. They're more like kind of behind closed doors, backroom deal players. Uh, yeah, so the Trent Reston character, isn't it? Yes. So you get no conclusion over, which annoys me. But in, in terms of the, the re-release, they've been re-released with new covers, and for anyone, any purist out there, the only seemingly difference appears to be that the novelization of Resident Evil Zero is now book seven as opposed to book zero. Going back onto your point there, um, Archelon, I would say that the Underworld book, which is completely made up, kind of feels the worst. It's the worst because of the creatures are in it, but I like the testing ground because that was something at that point with the games you hadn't really seen with the kind of different environments. It's essentially Resident Evil Retribution before Retribution happened, when you think about it. Oh, I haven't seen the film yet. Oh, okay. (laughs) Anyway, enough of non-canon crap. Other news. 
And Red Letter Media has reviewed the Resident Evil movie series by Paul W.S. Anderson. This was posted on The Horror is Alive, um, and they reviewed it in their own unique way. It's quite funny how the shit all over it, basically. <laughs> that concludes gaming news, aside from a new TGS trailer got released for Biohazard 6, but I think most people have seen that. The next podcast on Biohazard 6, so we can quickly gloss over that. Any site news, Newsbook? No. No. Right, so that concludes the news, and we'll now move on to our main discussion of Resident Evil Damnation. For 74 years, the might of Soviet socialism was so great, it split the world along eastern and western lines. Then, in 1991, it collapsed completely. One by one, the various countries which had supported the Soviet Union began splitting away, declaring their independence. Eastern Slav Republic followed suit, declaring the country a sovereign state, independent from Soviet rule. Capitalism advanced rapidly, the conglomerates gained influence in political circles, and as a result, the oligarchs came into power. In the Eastern Slav Republic, the divide between rich and poor became so great, it ignited the fumes of a new rebellion. The push for independence exploded into the streets, and armed freedom fighters pitted themselves against their government, now controlled by the oligarchs. The military prospered during this time, becoming ever stronger and better equipped. Under the guidance of Ivan Judanovich, an Ottoman from the Council of Elders, the freedom fighters moved their base of operations to a hidden location, a more suitable place from which they could launch their new war against the government. After several years of brutal fighting, it was Svetlana Belikova, Eastern Slav's first female president, who offered a ceasefire to the freedom fighters. But the break from hostilities was short-lived. In November of 2010, the government discovered that the rebels' land contained valuable resources. The military continued their attacks, claiming they were fighting terrorism. Losing one base after another to the military's onslaught, the freedom fighters escalated their efforts and became more and more radical in their tactics. It was then that strange rumors began spreading like wildfire among the people that monsters had joined the battle. In February of 2011, the rumors found their way to the old city of Holivgrad, just a few kilometers from the presidential palace, an important strategic location for the government. So this was the second Biohazard slash Resident Evil CGI film released exclusively by Capcom and exclusively to the canon, more importantly. A sequel to G-Generation. What did everyone think? We'll start with Newsbot, briefly. Uh, it was more entertaining than G-Generation, and uh, I liked the storyline better. The animation was overall improved, and it's entertaining, unlike G-Generation, really. Which just feels like a long, extended cutscene compared to this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Arkelon, what did you think? I enjoyed it for the most part. There are a few things here and there that uh, I could have done without, most notably the ridiculous amount of uh, 3D stuff flying at your face. It's so obvious, even in 2D, you know exactly what they're... Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think CVX Freak said that uh, he saw it in theaters in 3D, and he said it's a lot more subtle than the Paul Anderson films, which I have to see this for myself to believe, because I don't understand how having, you know, a liquor's claw coming at you, knives, uh, the crowbar, all these different things flying at you is subtle, but 
if it was more had to do with kind of like the depth of certain scenes, I think I would have appreciated it more. But uh, it just got really annoying after a while because you could almost tell when they were going to be coming. There's one scene in particular where they're just really obnoxious with it. It's the fight scene between Ada and Svetlana. Yes. Things just fly around everywhere. Uh, Batman, what did you think? Yeah, just the same as the others, really. It was uh, it was enjoyable. Improvement over degeneration. It looked good. You know, it looked better than what I thought it would, actually. It was just a couple of dodgy lip-syncing movements. Mm. But other than that, it was okay. I thought the liquors looked really good. But you could tell it was written by the same guy who did degeneration because he leaves a lot of elements that are very vague. And, you know, he leaves, like, the audience to put the pieces together. And, you know, he sometimes has very little to work with. Like, the cultivated plaga. I know we'll talk about it later, but it's never really explained why it's so important and what exactly it does, which is strange, considering that's the whole point of the film, really. But, yeah, it was okay. It was enjoyable. George? Yeah, same as the rest, really. I enjoyed it. I got more from this than from Degeneration. I certainly thought it was an improvement on the storyline and the representations of the B.O.W.s I thought was fantastic. The liquors were incredible. It was just brilliant fan service to have them almost like, a, you know, a pack of wolves under the control of someone else. I thought that the tyrants were superb. I'm not sure if I may be not appreciating their representations in the past, but I think this is the first time for me you've really got an idea of their strength and their presence. It's no fault of the games that they've, I don't think they've really, even in Remake, have really kind of got across how dangerous they are. And, and in this, their movement, the way they run, you could really see and feel the weight behind them. At the very beginning, I was slightly worried it was going to be a little overcomplicated with the introduction about the, you know, the different Soviet breakup states, but it didn't turn out that way. I thought it was very good. I think Batman's answer for me, because I was a bit confused as to a couple of vague unanswered open-ending things throughout the film that didn't quite get explained properly. But yeah, I thought it looked very good. I thought that, yeah, the CGI was fantastic. The only thing that I was a little concerned about, Ada didn't quite look right for me. They, I think Newsbot may have mentioned this before. They, they seem to be euponizing her face, don't they? She's meant to be Asian, and I don't know what they're doing with her face, but yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Her mouth is also crooked. Yeah, I was going to say there was something seemed to be up with her mouth. Yeah. It's, it's like I couldn't tell if they were trying to set her mouth in a perpetual smirk, but the right corner of her lips never move whenever she's talking or smiling. And once I noticed that, that was like all I could focus on. Oh no, we're going to watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I think we should move on to the plot because we could spend hours, I suppose, discussing the plot. I think the first question to, uh, to everyone here, was it too overly complicated again? I mean, compare it to like Revelations, which is stupidly complicated at times. And even the whole origin of Plagas is still winding us all up to this day. Does this suffer from the same problem? Moving into position. Copy. I've got a clear view of you from the sky. Great. Maybe you can help me find a clear route to the CIA drop-off. Looks like they're doing some serious renovations down here. Listen to me carefully, Leon. Your mission has been aborted. The U.S. is going to pull out of the country. What? I just got here. After taking me off furlough and sending me to this godforsaken place? What the hell? Washington and the government there have decided to go their separate ways so everyone has to leave, not just the embassy staff. All American citizens have been ordered to evacuate the country. I don't give a damn about the politics. We've got confirmation that BOWs are being used in this war. 
If we don't stop them now, the same shit'll happen everywhere else. Do you really want to see that? This is a war, and things are different. No one can do anything without the backup of the American government, not even you. Well then, I guess my only option is to lose my American citizenship for a while. Leon! She can tell him I got lost and missed my flight. Well, the overall plot, I think, is quite straightforward, but he doesn't give you anything to work with in the film. He forces you to try and put it all together yourself, and that's what makes it complicated. One, I mean, at the beginning, I seem to presume that the Plaga is being used for Type 1, so the Soviets seem to sort of represent Ganandos, but then you see that tulip-like protrusion that only Type 2 have, because unless I'm mistaken, I'm waiting for Newsbot to correct me, Type 1 Plaga can only be spread, you know, through injection, you know, as we saw in Resident Evil 4. Type 2 Plaga, you know, you have that kind of self-propagation where, you know, one can pass it on to another through that, you know, protrusion through the mouth and um, the parasite that they can then put in so that you see that so I was confused was it a mix of the two was it just type two uh, I don't know if anyone anyone else got picked up on that I think it was both I think the cultivated plague was injected into the body wasn't it so it would have still been as an egg whatever uh, it was that the buddy used he obviously injected because he had the, the gun uh, thing yeah, the vials yeah. and everything. Even though we, we don't see him do it, he does it off screen. And I imagine the old man, Ottoman, probably injected it too. The thing I was wondering is, does it grow to the size of the ones that we see inside their bodies? Because it's substantially larger than what we saw in Resident Evil 4. And I was thinking that, never... actually. Yeah. I, I, they they oh, do seem ahead. rather large. You vomit that out of your mouth. It was quite big. But... Uh... The regular Ganados, they're definitely type 2 because they just randomly appear, don't they, once Ataman's been killed and then suddenly suddenly there's loads of them and that, ob- mm. that obviously wouldn't happen with the original Plaga because with the egg it takes days for them to reach maturity. So how did his death cause them to appear? Well, again, this is one of these, these vague elements that aren't really explained. I, I actually think that the type 2 were just released by Svetlana to disrupt the resistance because... Like in Resident Evil 5, the Type 2 Plagas are not being controlled by a dominant species Plaga because the Ganados are attacking the church, which has the Resistance members inside, and they obviously wouldn't be doing that if Buddy could control them. That's what I was confused about, because up to that point... That's a good point, yeah. See, I I thought that the only side that were in the possession of BOWs initially were the Freedom Fighters, and I I may have missed something, but I thought that the first occasion you're aware that Svetlana and the government have got BOWs is when they set free the tyrants. Because if, to me, I don't know, I may have missed a blatantly obvious thing, but I didn't quite get who the cultivated pluggers were. Was that the government's facility? Yeah, but I think going back, Batman, your point there is dead right. If they were just type 1 pluggers, that means they could be controlled by a dominant plugger, which Buddy had. And then, he, as you said, he wouldn't have, he would have told the, his Ganados to stop attacking. So, yeah. it, so it has to, they have to be type 2 then in order to carry on their lives. Yeah, they're definitely type 2, but like I say, it's never really explained where they come from, how no. how the Plaga was leaked. and Are the cultivated ones type 2 as well? Or is it that's new? Because they're uh, cultivated dominant. I don't know, but they're injected via egg, aren't they? So I'm not sure. But the Ganados are definitely not being controlled by the cultivated Plaga anyway. And in, in answer to your question, George, I mean, that whole area, I think it's called the Honeycomb Lab or something? Yeah. Something like that. That's certainly the government, uh, Eastern Slav Republic's own. I didn't think that was the hideout. 
Because up to that point, it's not really obvious that they're relying on them. It seems that the resistance are the ones that, that are in possession of the plug, the master plugger and the followers, type twos and ones. To me, I didn't see anything to suggest that other than the two tyrants that they were actually in possession of BOWs. Two tyrants, loads of tyrants in the end, weren't there? About five. Yeah. yeah, because she makes a reference when, because there's the other scene I, I was a bit confused of when she's putting a top on. And I'm not sure if that's, that's a burn or there, there seems to be something on, on her back. And one of her flunkies is reporting to her that the BOWs have escaped. And she says, I'll just let, I think, what did she say? She just says, just let them deal with it. And that, But she's not referring to the two tyrants. I think she is. Yeah, I, I thought yeah, she was. I think she was. Going back to the Ganado, I think they've come from Svetlana because her sort of mission is to sort of prove her worth to the United Nations so they can join the EU. You know, throughout the film, she's constantly trying to prove herself as someone who fights terrorism and bioterrorism. And if she sort of created this outbreak with the Ganados, and then she has her military sort of seal off the area and then purge it, and I think this was maybe done just so, you know, she can show to the United Nations and the BSAA that she is trying to combat bioterrorism. That's the only plausible storyline that makes it work, because otherwise it makes no sense. Because you've got yeah. to th- if you think of it from her point of view, why is she doing this? The only logical explanation is that she's created this biohazard to show to the world, oh no, we've had a biohazard outbreak, but it's this horrible resistance organisation. They released BRWs. We stepped in. We destroyed them all with our blowtorches and whatever we use. Look at us, accept us into EU slash UN. That's, the, I think, you know, based on what Svetlana says throughout the film, that's her guiding mission in the film. And she, you know, goes about it in a very odd way. So what was, I was trying to gather what her purpose or motivation was behind cultivating so many Presumably the only purpose for that would be a Wesker-type megalomaniac plan to release them on, on her whole people. And I don't think there was anything to suggest that that was what she was after or that's what would gain her a benefit. I, I couldn't quite understand why there were so many cult- why there was that whole base of cultivated plaga. I think it was. I don't think she was any after any sort of world domination plans or anything like that. I think it was sort of similar to Morgan Lansdale. She was wanting to use bioterrorism as an example to further her own goals. She wanted to create bioterrorism and then overcome it to, to prove and, that her country was worthy to join the EU. The only other things we don't have is dates as well. We don't know what the status of the, you know, if it was the previous governments, which they're talking about the long civil war, you know, we don't know if she initiated the plan or was it her previous, was it the previous president and she was just taking over and, you know, kind of walked in and go, oh, we've got all this honeycomb lab. We don't know what she did personally. Okay. Um, it seemed to be implied, unless I missed something, that she was the one who provided the plagas to the resistance yes in the first place so she may have been cultivating them so that she would have them to provide with them you know because presumably if you know assuming her plan was to use this as an example of their uh, ability to you know combat bioterrorism and prove themselves as an independent nation that you would need quite a few if they were going to be infecting the resistance fighters you know they give the Plagas the resistance fighters, you know, behind closed doors, saying, you know, use these in the war. But her real intention being to just infect all of them, and then they could spin any kind of story saying, you know, the resistance fighters started using BOWs, but it got the better of them, and now we have to clean up this mess. That's interesting. I missed that. Where was it suggested that she provided? the initial plaga to the resistance. Well, I don't think it's directly suggested. It's more kind of, you have to kind of extrapolate it from what's said. 
in the movie. Like when Leon first encounters Ada, you know, he says, are you the one that released the Plaga? Yeah. And she doesn't really confirm or deny. She just says that she's not interested in defective products. But then she says, you know, she's just trying to help them out. And then later in the movie, when Leon is confronted by Svetlana, he calls her the beekeeper, the one who released the Plaga, which, again, she neither confirms nor denies. And as we find out closer to the end of the movie, Svetlana's been making deals with the elders of the resistance movement. And J.D., I can't remember when specifically he said it, said that they were provided the Plagas by their elders. So... To me, that seems to suggest that Svetlana was the one that provided the elders with the plagas. Yeah. And the guy at the beginning, the other spy, he says something about the beekeeper. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that, you know, she's probably is the beekeeper and she's in a honeycomb bee lab, I think, you know, put two and two together. Ada calls her the queen bee. Yeah. And shows her subordinates as the workers and also the liquors. I think she provided the liquors to the resistance as well because they're all transported in them trucks with the honeybees on them. So it's a convoluted storyline and with lack of information. But we love it really as Resident Evil fans. It reminds us of the good old days before Newsbot came around and, <laughs> and, and, and destroyed us with cohesive storylines planned meticulously well by Japanese developers. <laughs> Did anyone else pick up of any significance why they decided to represent her with this injury? Or this, I don't know what it was, a burn or something? It looked like a burn, didn't it? Who knows? Being a former, I guess, a combat instructor, I assume that she was either in the military or had some experience during the war that she received that scar, because I highly doubt it was meant to imply that she was infected with something. It looked like it was just maybe a burn or something, but this is why I was really hoping that they would have a kind of picture-in-picture track like they did with Degeneration, because as soon as I saw that scar on her back, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity for that little window to pop up in the corner saying, Svetlana received this scar during da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but it's not on the extra feature, so I guess we'll have to wait for an art book or something like that for further clarification. Okay, uh, but we've talked uh, briefly about that. We, if we move on to kind of the characters, we can start with Svetlana, because obviously she's quite a, a key point. What, what did everyone think? I mean, we've talked about her motives, but generally as a character, did it seem out of place that she was the president and then suddenly she could turn into Trinity? <laughs> she, she, she was like a young Margaret Thatcher. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy calls her a pretender to the throne, doesn't she? I think she yeah. used she used her money and influence to gain power, I think, because it talks about, you know, the Russian oligarchs at the start gaining power and the divide between rich yeah. and poor becoming stupidly big. She might have also been a war hero. I mean, if we want to take that scar one step further, she got it in combat or something, you know, that would have played, I think, very well into her rise to power. But that's just idle speculation. I liked her as a character, though. She is the baddie, really, behind the scenes, causing most of this, we think, anyway, we can speculate. But I thought she was quite well-rounded. I liked her kind of confrontation. Not necessarily the fight scenes, but the way she spoke with Ada when she found out that she was a spy. Um, I I think that worked quite well as two kind of dominating females in the same room. I thought she she was good. I, I, I liked her. And as the film progressed, she became more and more sinister and completely you know, didn't give a shit about her military or her city for that matter. I found it quite odd that she wouldn't care less about destruction of what seems to be quite nice architecture. I'm a bit confused. If Svetlana was herself originally in possession of the Plaga, before she was aware that Ada was a spy, what was her initial reason? Because I presumed that Ada was there to advise her on this 
BOW threat posed by the Freedom Fighters. Bioorganic weapons, also known as BOWs. Most developed countries and the United Nations are against the use and manufacture of BOWs. However, they are, unfortunately, still being traded on the world's black markets. From a quick glance at this report, I'd say that using these weapons in a real conflict would be extremely impractical, no? There is no way of differentiating between friend and foe. It is true that total control of most of the BOWs has been nearly impossible up until now. But a new technology that changes that fact has recently been developed. Tell me more. Recent technological advancements can establish a master-slave relationship between a human and the BOWs. So, what do they do? Crack vips at it, like they do with wild animals? <laughs> Not exactly. Organisms designed to determine whether a host is to be a controller or a controlee take up residence within the host's body and creates the perfect master-slave relationship between a human and the BOW. It is similar to the relationship a queen bee shares with her worker bees. Well, okay, let's move on to Ada. You know, what's her role in the film generally? I mean, you find out at the end that her boss is somebody that's able to issue an international arrest warrant for her. But prior to that, at the very end, where there's that, you know, big hint as, as to who she's working for. I don't know if I got it wrong. I initially thought she, I could say she was there as, you know, um, an expert on BOWs for, for the government. I think she was. I mean, my theory is Ada and... Simmons, if it is him at the end, have obviously found out that liquors are seemingly being controlled by these resistance fighters. And they obviously want to know why. And you can see Ada's digging for clues when she's sort of giving that lecture to Svetlana, where she's saying, you know, recent technology, uh, sorry, up until now, it's been impossible to control BOWs, but recent technology has changed that. You know, you can tell she's fishing for clues, like she knows there's something up. The ability to control that, because obviously... These are liquor bees, but initially the origins of the liquor is obviously an infection with the T-virus. So are these liquors that are developed as liquors and then a plaga is added? I mean, this is just speculation as well, but this cultivated plaga, I think what is special about it is that it can control the T-virus BOWs. I mean, yeah. if you think if you think Ada's organisation has had the dominant species plaga since yeah. 2004, Wesker's organisation has had it, Tricell have had it, you would have expected that at some point point they would have attempted to use it to control t-virus blws you know it would be a logical thing to try but yet we've got no record anywhere in the series of that happening i mean we even had liquors in resident evil 5 who were created with the t-virus and then further experimented on with the progenitor virus to see what side effects it would have but there's no mention that they tried the same with uh, las plagas and it's making me wonder that if a regular subordinate plague, as we know it, is injected into a T-virus BOW. The virus would obviously infect the parasite, degrade its intelligence to the point that it would break the conscious link back to the plague hive mind and that of whoever was the dominant species carrier, and it would degrade it that much that it would sever the link and therefore you wouldn't be able to control it. Yeah. And this theory can be backed up because Ada, like Ada says, when she says she to Svetlana in, the, the in the government, she says total control of BLWs has been impossible until very recently. And but, this new technology she's on about is the cultivated plaga that she's there to investigate. Oh, that's that, very, very good. Like that. Because if that's right, John, 
would that then, because if that's not the case, then there's nothing specifically different about these types of plaga, and thus why would she, you know, present it as a centerpiece trophy to her employer? I presume, you know, the reason for her extracting that particular plaga is, you know, it's, it's a new type, as you say, one that can readily control T virus BOWs. Otherwise, why would she want to have that one at the end? Yeah. Would that, that make sense? Yeah, but the cultured plaga's main trait seems to be that it can control subordinate parasites that are injected into T virus BOWs, which are obviously the lickers in this case. But uh, they're liquor beaters, though, so they've, they... got, they've got T virus and progenitor well, no, plagas. Well, yeah. What's interesting by that is uh, it's mentioned again in this film, uh, Las Plagas Organisms of War featurette, that the parasites use ultra-high frequency sound waves to communicate with each other. And this would obviously make the lickers a perfect BLW to choose because of their advanced hearing. Yeah. And obviously it's mentioned in Resident Evil 5 that if these are liquor beaters, then the application of the progenitor virus has further evolved their hearing. So if the parasites do use sound waves to communicate with each other, then the liquor would be the obvious choice to use. Because they really do, they can pinpoint, I mean, the, the way they behave and the way they attack their enemies, you wouldn't think they were blind. But as well as controlling the liquors, it obviously they all mention that this new plaga is defective because I think Newsbot said it doesn't the host organism doesn't seem to have superhuman strength and the more the carrier uses it to control the lickers the more the parasite seems to become aggressive and to slowly kill the host that moves us nicely onto Buddy for which he is the host what was everyone's view on Buddy it's a shame it wasn't Ark but never mind I'm, I'm over it <laughs> he sounds like it but he certainly wasn't as annoying as his mate. JD? Oh, uh, it was an American. He was awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I think he was good. He was, I mean, he's sort of quite a moody and dark character, you know, compared to JD, so that worked quite well. He gets well and truly screwed over at the end, effectively, doesn't he, when Svetlana reveals to him that the war's pretty much over. Your superiors in the resistance. You will now wheel a, an archaic wheelchair up a very cobbled steep hill. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was an interesting foil to Leon in the sense that they don't really become like friends, but you can kind of tell through the course of the movie that they sort of come to an understanding. It's not necessarily just that they're two guys thrust into this situation and have to work together or else they're both going to die horrible, horrible deaths. But still, you know, at the end when Buddy wants to kill himself because he doesn't want to turn into a ganado, Leon basically tells me, you know, you can't take the easy way out. You know, a lot of this is your fault. You have to take uh, responsibility for it. And if you uh, kill yourself now, then what does that mean for the people who followed you and believed in you? And also like him following in his, uh, I guess he said Ottoman was his teacher or I can't remember what he specifically said. And so he goes to follow Ottoman, but he just gives up at the end. And Leon's like, yeah, that's not happening. And where exactly was Leon meant to shoot him when he's facing his him front ways? He's looking straight at Leon. Leon points a gun, you know, at his body. How does he shoot the plug out his spinal column from that? That to me was the only really weak point for me. I thought that was kind of a little bit clutching at straws. Um, Clearly, Leon was using Wii remote aiming and was able to point <laughs> the exact spot where he needed to shoot to perform. No, Don't no, search. no. He kept his infrared scope from Resident Evil 4. Oh, of course. <laughs> of, and he was able to go, ah, there it is. <laughs> I thought that was a bit silly. but um... So that that's interesting. So, I mean, we're, we're looking at a different type of plagas, a new host plagas that can be injected into someone and they won't. I suppose it's the same as Sadler, really, isn't it? But he didn't mutate. 
Because it's you know he injected himself with the plague acid and was able to obviously ha- have the new power of controlling the liquors whatnot. He has that huge tentacle, you know, that comes out. And... Yes, but why did he remain? Why did Buddy remain so normal, bar red eyes? Again, it's not explained, is it? But they've obviously manipulated the parasite to try and suppress the uh, ability to mutate. But it's obviously got the side effect of the longer you have it in your body, the you know it, it is slowly killing you. And obviously, that doesn't happen when you've got a regular dominant strain plaga. No, but then even with a regular dominant strain plaga, you kind of get different almost mutations. I mean, you've got Sadler, who is relatively normal apart from his tentacle. Um, Salazar. You know, although he's a young boy, he looks old, and then Mendez as well is a bit odd. There's nothing to say Buddy can't mutate. Maybe he can. No, no, yeah, no, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. But you do see the bit when Ataman has it. He uh, basically turns into just a regular Ganado, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he reverts back to his normal self, and then they have to kill him. That I I wasn't quite when the reversion back to normal self. Although I suppose Leon does it, doesn't he, in Resident Evil Four when Ada Ada stabs him in the leg and kind of snaps him out of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it has happened. It's not, yeah, not new. While we're keeping on the BAWs, uh, news, but I noticed that you you talk about zombie ganados. Yeah, I cannot remember where I got that from now. Because zombie ganados. I thought you said it was on. It was like an interview on the. Official I'm pretty. Camp. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was in a Famitsu interview, but I can't find it, so I can't substantiate it. Because this is the only thing that I mean. Every, everything else was very ganado related. You know, every, everything seemed relatively normal. But then there's that scene. Where you just see the Ganados hovering around the church, acting like zombies. You know, like Shaun of the Dead style classic zombies. And that's very unlike Ganados, because Ganados can lead a normal life. So what, a zombie Ganado? Yeah, they, just... they also have, like, physical changes that resemble zombies. They have the grey skin that yep. you would normally see in Degeneration. But how, and... sorry, 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 but would a zombie Ganado, would that be a Ganado that's an infected with the T-virus? I well, we're not know. sure. No, this, this, yeah. is a, this is the point. It's, that not, they... it's not specified anywhere. It's just they have characteristics of they zombies they, they, they... and yeah, it's not extra features. They just refer to them as ganados, and they don't even say that the you know that the liquors were infected with a plaga. They no. just make it sound like the new strain that was developed by Svetlana is able to control BOWs regardless of whether or not they have a plaga. Yeah, we just have to assume. But then at the same time, yes, there's you know those scenes outside the church where they're you know acting like a zombie, you know, and they've got the kind of degenerative skin, which is zombie-ish as well. But then when you do see them attack a human, they're not looking to eat them. They're looking just to pass on the you know the plaga and she vomits it out of the mouth. So they are caught in in the middle, unless of course you can just attribute it all to because it's a different type of plaga. Now one thing I was wondering, going back to Resident Evil Five, I know the Endipaya tribe that there was the file that said they covered themselves in like war paint and mud and stuff like that, and that's why they had that gray appearance. But what about the soldiers? Are we to assume that they also just covered themselves in the similar war paint, or was that an actual effect of the plagas? I think they had type 3 instead of type 2. They can also mutate into the Dibalia form. Right. Is there any indication that their skin was due to the type 3 plaga, or are we supposed to believe that they applied the war paint and mud and whatever else? I think skin. it's I think it's a side effect of type three. Because I'm wondering if that's where they got the graying skin for these plagas. I mean, we're you know assuming that they're type two, but we also know they're supposed to be defective, and who knows what other experimentation was done on them. 
So they may just have the gray skin for the same reason that the type 3 infected in Resident Evil 5 had the gray skin. If only it was specified. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do we know if anything? All they need to do is mention it once, and it would be okay. I said, do we know if there's any additional material coming out? I'm sure there'll be an art book, a script art book coming out in Japan, but it probably won't be for another few months yet. Because the the one for Degeneration was really good because it it had the entire script in it. Japanese. Ja- Japanese. Yeah. Okay, so hopefully that will shed some <laughs> shed some light. So moving on to the tyrants, I for one will say. I have a new favourite tyrant. You know, previously taken up by the the genius that is the Hypnos tyrant from Survivor. This particular tyrant, I don't know what we what his name is. I don't know his code number. All we know there's batch numbers. He has a number on him, doesn't he? Is it zero one three? Yeah, that that's just the batch number that he is. Yeah, there's another one that's zero zero eight. Oh, Comrade X instead of Mister X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. There you go, Comrade X. Is huge. It's the, easily the largest tyrant. But I think, as you alluded to earlier, George, how amazing he is. And if if you look in the in that feature where they talk about the tyrant again, just referred to as tyrant, and the the art, the concept art, they they kind of use the the classic T103 picture, and they've just kind of basically updated that. And he's an awesome tyrant. I loved how dominating they were, and just how much they kicked ass. And you know, those liquors just stood no fucking chance. There's a great scene towards the end when you've got the two of them. You just see one running towards Buddy and Leon, and then you see the other one joins him on the other avenue, and they're both running down separate avenues towards the two guys. It's a great shot. And, and the mutation to the Super Tyrants was awesome, because I thought, oh, that's going to happen. And I, I, did, I didn't know Super Tyrants were in it or anything. I didn't even know Tyrants were in it. Oh, yes, I did, apart from trailer, but I didn't know Super Tyrants were in it. And then when they mutate, it's like, yes, yes! And then I love it how they showed, probably for the first time uh, in, in so much detail, the limiter coat kind of... <laughs> You know, coming off, and they're like, "Yes, mutate, bitch!" Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, it's awesome. And then I love it how Leon fires another rocket, and he, the time it's like, "No, no, not this time. You may have killed my mates, but he just catches it." And how great was it to see BOW on BOW action, and the way that he just disposed of the liquors was fantastic. I mean, it's interesting how devastating the liquors look when they're jumping on top of the humans, but then in a battle with the tyrants, they just look pathetic. They just can't even scratch the guy. I loved when uh, Buddy charged the one tyrant in the tank and the tyrant just buckles down and stops it. Because you never, re- I don't think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember any time in the games where you really kind of get to see a tyrant at its full potential or doing what it's, you know, intended yeah. to do, as in a war zone. And here you see one just taking on a tank like it's nothing. This is the first time that you really see that they actually are would make a worthwhile BOW for your money. It's the first time that they look that devastating. Exactly. I mean, it's briefly alluded to in Umbrella Chronicles with the effectiveness of Talos, you know, and how, how well it worked. But this was the first time that you saw it. And I'd like to think, what was Leon thinking he could do when two super tyrants were coming towards him? And he goes, I oh, know, I'll get up my knife. I've written this down, actually. What the fuck does Leon hope to achieve? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was glad they He's all. He's been got... watching the knife-only guides on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So I saw this guy take down two nemesis with one yeah. knife. Maybe I can do it. I was wondering how they were going to kill all these tyrants, though. I'm glad it was like a missile from a jet. Oh yes, yes, yes. There's quite a few actually. I, I think I'm sure I count about five in the end roaming around. I thought originally they were both going to get. You know, when they're trying to get in the lift and the cable snaps. I thought he was going to sever them in half or some shit like that. But uh, thankfully, it didn't. And they look good as well, the Tyrants. They look updated T-103s, and I said they had this kind of Greco-Greco vibe going on. But it's interesting how they just made them ridiculously tall compared to previous ones. 
Yeah, because isn't it the original script for Resident Evil 2 where Leon was supposed to meet Mr. X and think he was a human? Oh, really? Uh, I think, I think so. So that's obviously not going to be possible with these tyrants, considering how massive they are. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be possible with the original tyrants either. No, they never really got humanoid that well. The lack of information with tyrants, we don't know who, who created these tyrants. That's another question that's not really answered. Where did Svetlana get them from? She doesn't appear to have her own bio-research program going on, aside from the Plagas. So what black market organisation is still making tyrants? Interestingly, on the Organisms of War feature, when the picture of the new tyrant comes up, it says Joint Project. Oh, does it? Oh, brilliant. Because let's be honest, in terms of... Oh, good catch. I forgot about that. Chronologically-wise, the last tyrant we had, I think, is... Still Talos. I think they might be old mass-produced tyrants that have been improved somehow. Yeah, I would say they're just the same tyrant. I think, if anything, all they've done to them is improve the power limiter. You know, obviously the coat they're wearing's got all their metal buckles on it and things, which the original 103 series didn't. But I said this is the first tyrant we've had since 2003 with Talos, unless you want to correct me on that. So, therefore, only Umbrella had access to the programs unless... Wesker passed it on to something, something else. You could be right that they've taken a, a normal manufactured, mass-produced one and then improved upon it. Do you think a few tyrants got onto the black market themselves and were sold at high prices? And... We know that Umbrella had at least like shipped a lot of tyrants around the world before uh, Sheena Island was destroyed. Because you've got the uh, tyrant in Code Veronica, which is set a month after the mass production of tyrants has stopped. And then you have the 091 in Dead Aim. Yep. That's in 2002. Then you still have Talos, which was T11. Yep. So I, I'm pretty sure they were probably just bought off the black market or something. And then uh, whatever they did, they probably made some modifications to enlarge their body. Yes, because they do so they do seem to be a bit large. But they, I think they're excellent. And I, I was pleasantly surprised at how well they were portrayed in the film. So, um, George, you, you mentioned JD. What did you want to say? Another I... reference to the movies. Uh, well, sorry. <laughs> Add it to the list. Before JD made an appearance, I can I was already starting to get a little annoyed with Leon's what, what would you call it? Leon's little jokes, you know, his little kind of quips that he makes, his sarcastic quips that he constantly makes. Um, I don't know what. Sorry to join the party. Um, before he blows off the tyrant's head, he, this may hurt. So that was starting to grate on me, and then JD turns up and takes it to a whole new level. But actually, from initially being a, a little sort of finding him a little bit grating i kind of warmed to jd actually i thought it was interesting you know quite a different character you know this contradiction you know hating americans and loving american produce i actually thought it was quite a well-rounded character that as i got to know him i liked and actually it was quite a moment when he started to cough yeah yeah that, that was good i so i i enjoyed him actually and just quickly i want to say you know leon's sort of backhanded comments really started to annoy me He's a bit emotionless, I thought, Leon. He's better than he was in Degeneration, where That's he true. was basically like a cardboard cutout. Well, actually, I thought, because I'm not a huge fan of Leon in the games, I've, I've never particularly warmed to him. And even though, as I say, those comments got a bit repetitive, I actually thought, aside from that, this was the best representation of Leon for me. Trust me, I've seen this happen every time. When you're dealing with B.O.W.s, there's no difference between friend or enemy. It takes everything from you. The cause you're fighting for, the respect you have for others. We have to keep this from ever happening again. Give me the Plaga. As far as I am concerned, 
There is no difference between this and using POWs. If you want to keep this from happening again, put down your gun. Well then, that is my answer, and your answer. Yeah, I, I thought he was a lot more connected with the people around him, and a lot, and certainly you could see a lot more apathy. Yeah, you know, he he was a lot more considerate for the people, uh, you know, and, and the situation around him. This seems to be the first time as well that like he seems a bit disillusioned with his employers. Like in Resident Evil Four, he's obviously new in the job. In Degeneration, he's practically a robot. But in this one, he's you know he's intentionally disobeying orders. He's pissed off that the U.S. government have been watching him the whole time. At the end, you know, and and that leads on to the fact that there's bigger fish to fry and this sudden distrust of the US government and that leads on quite nicely to RE6 I think. Makoto Kamiya said in the DNA of Damnation 2 that they wanted to uh, take him back to more his uh, Resident Evil 4 personality which I know Paul has come out and said now is due to a terrible localization but evidently it's good <laughs> enough that they're using it for reference but also so that's why they they said they added in the jokes and everything but the other thing they want to do was they wanted to make him seem less like a I guess superhero or because you know in degeneration he was basically running the show the one thing that made me laugh not intentionally so but was when the the one tyrant picks him up and throws him at the column yeah and it's like I had flashbacks to that scene in Degeneration where Curtis or G Curtis, I guess rather, knocks him all the way across to the other uh, platform, and then he does the little uh, like parkour running scene to get to the other one before it falls. And it made me think about uh, it's not just Leon, but throughout this series, Capcom has this way of uh, I don't know if they just have like this overly romanticized view of people who have had any kind of military or law enforcement training, but the characters in the series survive a heck of a lot more damage. And I'm not even talking about gameplay, I mean in cutscenes, than any normal person would be able to. So it's, it's interesting to me when they said that they really wanted to put Leon through hell in Damnation, that it's like, if I were to go to hell, I'd want to go to whatever version of hell they're dreaming up because it doesn't seem to matter what happens to him, they always come out on the other side with it, nary a scratch or broken bone. Yeah, that would have broken his back. Yeah, that came up in a thread at PU, actually, about, about something else particularly, but that was mentioned, yeah. I mean, that collision alone as you say it would completely have shattered his spine and he just gets up from that doesn't he without even any superficial injury at all and although i, I did like the brand of leon humor that we've now grown accustomed to his little confrontation with ada it made me smile when he said are we gonna no when leo uh, ada says are we gonna pick up from where we left off um that night and he's like yeah anytime but now i, I thought that was quite a nice uh, dialogue and, and with the interview with the developers afterwards they say that they purposely put that in to suggest that when they're not at work, that there has been some kind of romantic interludes between Leon and Ada, which kind of made me think of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind. But I don't, you know, I don't know. You know, I, th- I think when people have seen it without looking, speak, uh, hearing that interview, they assume that they've meant Resident Evil Four, maybe in that room, you or know, Resident Evil well, Two. Or even Resident Evil, yeah, or Resident Evil 2, yeah, exactly. I'm sure that there's well, the a first thing I thought was all the shippers out there. I was like, oh no, now they've got uh, all this extra ammo than they had before. Oh, they'll be all over it now. But yeah, they, and they say in the, in the developer's interview, they purposely put that in to suggest that when they're not at work, they're uh, romantically linked. 
Okay. Well, except for the guy who was his CIA contact. That was the only thing I think, like, of his jokes, that was the only one that really didn't sit well with me, was when the guy's sitting there coughing up blood <laughs> and can't talk, and Leon's just like, so much for a rousing conversation. Yeah. Oh, that was shit. <laughs> Doesn't he say like, yeah, scarecrows aren't known for their conversation. Yeah. It's like, this guy's dying, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's not James Bond, is it? <laughs> Looking for someone? Ada. It's been a long time, Leon. What are you doing here? I was about to ask you the same thing. Did you release the Plaga? Don't make me laugh. I'm not interested in defective products. I'm just here to lend them a hand. Them? Although it seems as if my help wasn't needed. What are you doing here? If they attack the capital, it'll make my job a lot easier. That's all. By the way, when are we going to, um... Carry on from where we left off that night. Anytime but now. You're angry with me, aren't you? Suits you. Quick word of warning. This town will be purged soon. women okay um we've talked upon the cgi um we will say it's quite it's, it, I, I thought it was a mark, marked improvement over the generation bar the lip syncing which does seem a bit off but the, the actual cgi looks stunning yeah I, I thought it was particularly good at the fight scenes the one between ada um and the president i thought that was very good and just the way they managed to get the, the movement of the tyrants that i thought again that was very good and, and the battles between the tyrants and the lickers were fantastic and of course, in Degeneration, they actually use real life photographs, don't they? They sneakily put them in. I but you can tell some of the backgrounds look real, don't they? There's a bit where Leon runs off and he runs right through a puddle on the floor, and there's no reaction to it at all. There's no splashing of the water, and that, that made me realise it's just his character superimposed on a on a photograph, essentially. Ah. In, in Degeneration? No, in in Damnation. Oh, they no. car- Oh, did they? They carried on with it. If you know, I think it's the scene where Buddy gives him his body armor and his gun back, and he runs <laughs> off to stop Buddy from taking the plague. If you look at him closely, he runs right through a puddle. You mean uh, JD? Uh, sorry, JD, yeah. Oh, I didn't, know they, I didn't know they'd done it again. Oh, clever, clever. But I was saying to George, actually, well, after I first watched it, the atmosphere of the film and how it is really split between two halves, if you like. And I did happen... I thought that the first hour was brilliant in terms of atmosphere, and I thought... It, the, underground, know, the underground tunnels. The underground tunnels were yeah. so good, and you had... Yeah, you know Leon's quite action-packed, and you know, he, he can do a lot, but he was on his own, he had his hands cuffed, and he was in dark, damp sewers yeah. underground. It reminded me of some of the old sewers from Resident Evil 2, and it was dark, and you, you knew there were Ganados around, and suddenly, it was survival horror 
on screen. My son walked in actually while I was watching that part, and he um, he's seen a little bit Resident Evil. What you know, what I filtered out, and um, he said he, he reminded him of um, Three Point Five, the, the Hookman gameplay, which I thought was quite interesting because yeah, it was kind of Leon walking around. I could see where he was coming from there. Yeah, he, yeah. He's walking around. There's that sort of survival horror sort of atmosphere. He's very quiet. You're expecting something to jump out, but but nothing does. And then that culminates, which I thought was a fantastic scene with the, the weight of that door they're trying to pull open. And you see the zombies, the Ganados in the back, slow. And then suddenly one of them just rushes right at Leon. That, that was a great scene at the beginning. Why didn't JD use his fucking gun there? That's what irritated me. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was a cheeky reference to Resident Evil 5 and 6, where it takes two of them to open the door. I don't know if that was an intentional <laughs> cheeky I didn't into the cult that, thing. But you're right. This is going to sound like a really weird segue, but it'll make sense in a second. You mentioning Leon's hands were bound. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of little touches in this movie that I really appreciated that you didn't see and degeneration and you often don't see in games one was on the back of his vest i could never figure out what they were but there were these like yellow strips or some kind of you know like vertical slim they almost look like sticks or whatever that he had in the loops on his back and as the movie goes on there are fewer and fewer until when jd's wearing it there aren't any left and i realized that those are actually the zip ties that they used to bind Leon's hands. And that after they used, like the first time they bound, there was one less in the back, and then the next time until they were all gone. And I thought that was a really cool yeah. little touch there that it took me a second to pick up on. But you don't see that that kind of stuff a whole lot in CG animated films, yeah. unless it's like CG characters interacting with um, real people. And then the other one that I liked was when he picked up the crowbar and he was actually carrying it around in the belt loop on the back of his pants. Because you look at back at like Degeneration, when he tosses Claire his handgun, it just kind of magically sticks to the side of her hip after she shoots the zombies. And she pulls it out almost like it's in a holster and even kind of makes the holstering sound that they use. But it's not attached to anything. It's like Dante's sword in Devil May Cry or or any of the rifles on Nathan Drake's back in Uncharted. So I really appreciate that they like paid that kind of attention to detail and how his jacket is pushed up just slightly by the angle of the crowbar and how it kind of falls back into place when he pulls it out. So there are a lot of little things. But then, of course, like John mentioned about the puddle thing, there are also a lot of other little things that it's like they paid so much attention on these bits and pieces here and there, but not on these others. So it kind of took me out of the experience for a while, whereas the others, I was like, I can't believe they paid attention to this or that. I never noticed them. That is... I mean, that's an incredible level of detail. Yeah. I like, the obviously, the throwbacks, the nods to the previous games. I think is it the very first time when Leon encounters a liquor in Damnation and it's crawling along the ceiling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't notice it because I've not played Outbreak much, but I'm sure I read somewhere on Tier someone was mentioning that there was something that was at the beginning seen in Outbreak that they recognised from Damnation. I'm not sure. But I wondered if any of you guys noticed anything else that were kind of nods to previous games aside from that, you know, the liquor on the ceiling. Well, I mentioned before about taking two of them to open the door. It was a cheeky nod to the cop. There was another thing I thought was the same where uh, the lift... They're trying to get in the lift at the uh, in the nuclear bunker and Ada has to open the door for them and they're sort of holding off the tyrants. It reminded me of the situations in Resident Evil 2 and Survivor where you have to fight the tyrants while you're waiting for the, the lift. Oh, for the lift to get... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's where you fight Burke in G4 as well, isn't it? Yeah. You press the elevator. Revelations has that same mechanic as well, doesn't it, with the hunters? And the gulpworm in Code Veronica. 
and, and, the, and in the Umbrella building in Survivor, where you are fighting a T-103, waiting for the, the lift to come down. And the liquor's an RE5. Yeah. They're everywhere! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said about the atmosphere. I mean, in the underground tunnels where you find that dead guy on the table with huge pickaxe in him, you know, that was straight out of Resident Evil 4. And uh, another great location, I thought, was the church as well. It reminded me of the church out of Resident Evil Zero, except obviously a lot bigger. And uh, it's just a shame we didn't see... I would have liked to have seen the Ganados, you know, fighting the Resistance members inside mm. the church before Leon got there. I thought that was a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, because you see the hint that you went when he lets Leon run away, and then you see that one just kind of almost follow JD back in, and then, yeah, you know, then obviously you see the result of it. But, yeah, they could have shown that. But there was a few little gripes. I mean, when Buddy gets implanted with a Plaga, I mean, we all know from Resident Evil 5 that it only takes 10 seconds for a Type 2 Plaga to overtake its host, whereas with Buddy, it conveniently, took, JD. Uh, also, Jay, it conveniently took about 10 minutes for him to say his goodbyes to Leon and, and Buddy. But there's always been that, though, isn't there? I mean, even in G-Generation, you had the, the security guard in the airport took literally seconds to become a zombie after one bite. And is, is the suggestion that the Ganando that well whatever my genie whatever it was that implanted the Plaga within Buddy was the one was the body that was lying dead on top of him because I would have thought that the one that, that implanted the Plaga would have been alive and would have gone off. Well, he's, he's unconscious, isn't he? So you hear gunshots too. Yeah. Um, when Leon's running up towards it, so I assume what happened was either in the process of the Ganado shoving it down Buddy's throat or afterwards Buddy shot him with the handgun. Or, I mean, JD, sorry. I'm, I'm starting to get them mixed up, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Ganados can't reproduce the plug, can they? From, yeah, from they like... can't. It was hinted at in Resident Evil 5, because that's how they spread so quickly. Because you see the villagers shoving parasites down people's throats. No, but what I yeah. mean is, I presume that it was only those infected with the Type 2 plugger that had that process of, you know, kind of the thing that comes out the mouth. Yeah, all, think... all the Ganados have the Type 2 plaga okay. in the film. Okay, okay. There is a continuity header in that the Plaga that comes out of Buddy is the tentacle version from Resident Evil 4 when it should have been yeah. the, should have been the Cephalo from Cephalo. Resident Evil 5. Yes, but my confusion there, I thought Ganados were as such turned because they only had Type 1 Plaga. No, I think that's just the general term for them, isn't it? I know they're known as Magini as well, but even I think even the uh, I see, I, 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 refer to them as Ganados. I thought the distinction in Ganado and Magini was the fact that Ganado were Type 1, Magini were Type 2. No, is that not the case then? I thought well, they just called them that because that's where they... Uh, Magini is a Swahili or... word for evil spirit, isn't it? And Ganado yeah. is obviously a Spanish word for cattle. That's all it is. Okay. It could have also been that, uh, uh, of course, this is not nearly as an interesting explanation from an in-universe standpoint, but uh, I believe it was Paul, or I can't remember who was interviewing uh, the... Uh, scenario writer for the Resident Evil 3 and he worked on 3.5 and a few of the other games and found out that he had been brought on as like a consultant for degeneration for the various uh, viruses and what they did and I wonder if it was kind of a similar situation with Damnation where even though they had you know Kobayashi who worked on Resident Evil 5 I have four, I'm sorry. Working on it they still there was some confusion among the writers and other members of the staff as to what was the difference between the specific strains and what each one did and everything in this case with the plagas rather than the viruses and that's why you see like you know the type twos sprouting the tentacle looking protrusions of the plagas from resident evil 4 so the americans and the russians had us in the palms of their hands from the beginning that's what it looks like 
Did you know about this? No. If I did, I'd still be enjoying my vacation. Hey. I've lost everything. My mentor. My friends. I have nothing left to fight for. Kill me. Please. I don't want to change into one of those monsters. Well, I guess there is no other choice. I'd feel the same way if I was you. But the option of taking our own lives no longer belongs to us. Once we start using these, we owe it to the people who died alongside us. We have to continue living. Even if it means living the rest of our lives without the use of our limbs. That is my answer. And your answer. Buddy. That's it. I knew I knew there was a reason why it didn't fit quite rightly, but I couldn't put my finger on it. If when they get decapitated or whatever, it should have been the cephalo things almost with the wings, wouldn't it? With the, the ones that make like the chirping yeah. sound. The synthetic plugger probably just makes different mutations. Like we've got type three adds a few new ones as well. Like the uh Devalia. Yeah. So I I just thought it was just a unique mutation caused by that particular plugger. It could also go back to them being, you know, quote unquote defective products because they're not exactly you know the tentacles they sprout aren't exactly the same as what you see in resident evil 4 because the tentacle versions of 4 have that like razor sharp bone yeah. attached to them and you can still see the ganado's eyeballs floating around and stuff yeah see that's what i was looking out for particularly and you don't see that at all because you kind of i was you know trying to listen out for that kind of you know whipping noise that those razors make and there was none of that particularly you would have been aware of that in that close combat environment when leon and JD are trying to open the metal door, and, and it's right on top of him. Yeah, and you see, it's more obvious in the conceptual art, but these also, the tentacles have almost like scales on them, closer to where the, the head originally was, and then, uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a tongue, or maybe it's just another tentacle, but uh, in the front of, like kind of like the head region, kind of sticking out, it doesn't seem to do anything, but uh, you see it in the concept art. Um, and it's in the movie, but it's not as prominent. Isn't there a mention that how that mutation develops and, and its physical form with the Ganados depends on how developed the Plago is before he sustains that damage? So there's kind of that variation as well. You would assume, because there are the three different types and four, and as far as I can recall, there wasn't any difference in the Plagas that were being used on the Ganado and the Illuminados and then the soldiers. It was just how long they had been infected and whether or not they had been infected uh, with the, the eggs through injection or inhaling the spores. I'm actually looking at the uh, scene in Damnation where uh, Svetlana has like four EW documents on her desk. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at it in 1080p and it's uh, Liquor, Plaga, Zombies, and Cerberus. The Plaga one has a few new tiny bits of info. 
Yeah, it it's says something about laying an egg, I think, inside the host. Yeah, it also said, like, changes are seen in the cells of a human over time, and that the frontal lobe is completely paralyzed. A bunch of other stuff. It also says at the bottom of the document, Plaga found in the Eastern Slav Republic. I don't know if this is all oh, just... I didn't catch that part. As I read the rest of the document, because that was, like, the first thing I did the first time I watched it, was I paused right at those documents, but I, I forgot that it mentioned... The Plaga in the Eastern Slav Republic. I don't know if it's development material. It's just they just copy and paste it into the movie itself, like they did in Degeneration. Copy the synopsis of the entire movie's plot into the document. The infected Cerberus found in a damaged area in Eastern Europe and stuff. So that could be something to look out for. What if we get if we get some good scans and stuff and being able to zoom right in? Oh yeah, it actually says in the liquor one that they were improved with the progenitor virus. Uh, so they're definitely, so, definitely beaters. Although they spell progenitor with a J. <laughs> it actually, I'm reading it now, it actually says the Plaga is a parasitic organism that was sealed in the cellar of the castle. Quite amusing. They misspelled Sadler, too, in the uh, Lost Plaga's Organisms of War uh, extra feature. When they showed its picture, they spelled it with one D as opposed to two. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Talking of the uh, uh, Organisms of War, just in case people haven't been able to watch it, I think they are on YouTube. But let's have a quick discussion actually on this featurette and how important it may be with Biohazard 6 just around the corner. Anyone who hasn't watched it, you're looking at a biological report of various BOWs by a Dr. William Gibson. He sounds like an English fella and he's reporting to what appears to be a new organisation about the outbreak, so to speak, in the Eastern Slav Republic. We've got enough organizations now. We do have, yes. Clearly, we, we don't, don't know. Ha- we don't know half of them either. But this, this is something Batman was considering whether or not this, this could be. There's a symbol in the bottom right-hand side. Could this be Neo Umbrella? Who knows? I'll be honest. I think there's probably not going to be any mention of the events of Damnation and Resident Evil Six at all. And that's why I think you know it's, it's maybe that Simmons at the end who Ada is talking to, but even if it is, I doubt we'll probably hear anything about it. Because it, you look at like, this was movie was made, what, concurrently with Resident Evil 6? And, uh, you know, as we've seen when other projects like this happen where they're being developed around the same time, there's not a lot of crossover. So even though this has Leon and Ada in it and possibly Simmons, I would be very, very surprised if we actually got any reference to it in Resident Evil 6. We probably won't. It might be just a subtle reference, like this symbol could belong to Neo Umbrella or another organization in Resident Evil 6. Just, you know, a simple reference, just like the newspaper headline with Tricell taking over Will Farmer was in Degeneration. Right. And, and the one at Revelations as well, wasn't it, with the Tricell screen logo, wasn't it, on the, on the computer? Yeah, but it seems oh, this seems support. seems to take place very shortly after the film because Gibson and his uh, the man protecting him get killed by liquors, don't they? Before they can upload their report. Yes. I think there's a date on it somewhere as well. I think it's one uh, of the videos. I think said something like uh, January 2012. 29th of April 2011. Oh, okay. But yeah, the the frustrating thing about it is it shows you pictures of the cultivated plaga, but it doesn't tell you anything about it. It just talks about the regular dominant strain Plaga and the subordinate Plaga. Although this must be the first time in the series it's actually been translated correctly. And obviously the same with the Lickers and the Tyrants. It doesn't really tell you anything new about either. And it doesn't tell you how... It doesn't even confirm if the Lickers have got subordinate Plagas, but it does show a picture of Buddy with the Lickers next to him when it says, you know, subordinate Plagas can be used to control other organisms. So I I think it's a given, but... 
but yeah, it's, it was just disappointing because when it first booted up, I thought this is going to be really cool, but it, it doesn't tell us anything we need to know whatsoever, unfortunately. It's still cool though. I, I got a kick out of it. I, I did enjoy the presentation and, um, you know, especially the kind of hurry up, hurry up, upload, upload. And that. I thought it was quite nice. Is there anything else we can take from it? Or I don't see why it can't be added to the canon anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's another sort of self-contained instalment, isn't it? There's a reference to early 2011 at the beginning, but you know, there's no kind of sort of specific theme or anything. I think that's, you know that's going to continue with Resident Evil Six. The one thing I think that could connect it to Six, but this strikes me as something that if it's mentioned, it would probably be mentioned in one of the files. Is if that is indeed Simmons at the end of the movie, and Ada chooses not to send him the Plaga that might explain just what his beef with her is. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to stay as, you know, like, Optimistic. away as much as possible from all the spoilers that have just deluged onto the internet within the past day or so. But that seems to be, like, the only thing, really, that would probably be taken from Damnation was if that was used as his motivation for wanting to frame her. But then it could be something else entirely. There's also the funny comment with Leon saying, or a- Ada saying, oh, uh, I wonder how he got hold of the Plagas. And it's like, it's, well, it's all your fault, love. <laughs> you know, if you hadn't handed it over to the organisation or something, you know, this is directly your fault, Miss Wong. Well, Wesker and Trisol did. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, as well, so. oh, that's true. That's true. It says that Trisol went to the village itself to go and gather Plaga. Uh, and Wesker really? and Wesker. Where's that mentioned? I think it's in archives too. Uh huh. I don't know the specific paragraph. So it was, well, I guess it was 2004, so it would have been before. Because don't the BSAA, like, firebomb outbreak locations, wasn't that established with the uh, Kijuju in the guidebook or something? Yeah, in the uh, Benny Matsuyama synopsis of the story, it says that the reason they were called, the evacuation order was called to Chris and Sheva was that they were going to bomb the shit out of Kijuju. So I guess, yeah, they probably wouldn't have done, well, you'd think they would have gone back at some point and done that to the village after the BSAA was reformed, but who knows. The only notes I've got here is the use of Ada Wong. Did anyone feel she was slightly shoehorned in? Was she really that necessary? I think she was, I mean, again, this is just speculation, but I think her role in the film was restricted because of her being in Biohazard 6. Mm. I think if she wasn't in Six, she would have a bigger role to play in this film. I think Kamiya even said as much in an interview that like he wanted to do more with her, but because she was in Six, there were certain things that they like could or couldn't say or have her do. One question I had is, and this may have just been her being evasive, as she is wont to do, but when she and Leon first meet, and he asks her, you know, what are you doing here? And she says, I was just about to ask you the same thing is, you know, she was the one who led him there, right? Was it, it said on the website or somewhere that she... Yeah, on the interview on the website, it says that she planted, like, a liquor corpse in a warehouse for the U.S. to, like, pick up through a surveillance camera or something. That's, right. the, con- so that's are... the confirmation Leon references in the very beginning of the movie. Right, so are we just supposed to assume that she was being evasive by saying that to Leon just... Because, I mean, clearly she would know what he was doing there. Yeah, the thing that I'm pretty sure she was just fucking with him because she actually she knew he was, he knew he, where he was right at that very moment. Yeah. And she deliberately went looking for him, so. Yeah. Yeah, because Svetlana questions, where were you last night? I do like it when Leon goes, what are you doing? She goes, working. I think that's quite. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, don't worry. And he says, well, of course I'm worried. He doesn't do anything to stop her. He, he knows she's up to no good. 
Yeah. At any point, he could just put a bullet through a brain. And that's the thing that bugs me about the like the implied uh, like them having the romantic liaisons and stuff is I I understand that there's like the residual feelings there and they have this whole kind of like James Bond femme fatale relationship, but it's like if Leon is supposed to be as much of a Boy Scout as we've like been led to believe, is he really going to jeopardize the fate of who knows how many people? Uh, just because he's got feelings for her or whatever, you know, I mean, as far as he knows, unless something has happened between the events of Four and Damnation, you know, she was the one, she sent the Plaga to Wesker. And... Yes, yes, that's what I was saying about earlier. It may not be her fault, but from Leon's point of view, it, yeah, would, I mean, it would be her well, fault for this, wouldn't it? Well, at the end of Four, in the, in the Japanese script anyway, she says that she didn't do what she did in Four to be evil. And then in the... Uh, Matsuyama synopsis in the guidebook it says that Leon knew she had different goals from Wesker how did he know that though or is it just I think it's just one of those things where they give a really contrived excuse for him to let her get away oh it's like in Resident Evil 2 though he's like no no he refuses to believe that she's evil he's like no 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 it's bollocks I know her even though he doesn't know her (laughs) in Darkseid Darkseid Chronicles uh, it's not used in the English dialogue anyway but it's in the text dump for the game Ada actually says, you know I'm a bitch, why are you helping me? And he just says, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> shut up, shut up, shut up. That's, that's nice, though, I like that. That sort of stuff should be in it. You're fit, shut up, you're fit, shut up. Yeah, she's just like, why are you helping me? You know I'm a, you know who I am. And then he just says, shut up, I'm helping you anyway. <laughs> Brilliant. I liked yeah, it, I wish it was in the dialogue, though. When he's holding her. Or, like, dangling over the ledge. And she said, you know, let me go. Or where he just says, shut up! <laughs> but uh, I'm not particularly interested in this romantic thing between them. I'd rather it's just left all ambiguous. But the only reason yeah. I, I can't sort of ignore this comment Shantaro Suga's made about them possibly having this romantic liaison is the meeting they have in Damnation, it comes across as though it's not the first time they've seen each other since Resident Evil 4. Mm. Like when when Leon meets her in Salazar's castle, you can the scene's really well done. It comes across quite naturally that this is the first time they've seen each other since Raccoon City, and his disappointment that she's working for Wesker sort of overrules his surprise at seeing her alive again because he's previously found I've, out that she is I've, alive and working for Wesker. I think the reason it, he isn't surprised in force because she threw him the rocket launcher in the end of two, so he knew yeah. she was alive from there and. Uh, it's stated more clearly in the Japanese script, but he heard a rumor that she was she joined Wesker's organization, so he she he knew she was already alive before that as well. Yeah, but it comes across. You can easily tell in that scene that he's pissed off that she's working with Wesker, whereas in Damnation, he's just like you know, it doesn't come across that this is the first time they've seen each other for seven years, and that's the only reason. I prefer, I, I kind of prefer that though, because I like the idea that they encounter each other much more than once every six years. Yeah, I would which like. Is I would like contrived that. if it's reference somewhere. I'd rather it's not told in, you know, some supplemental material making of DVD. Yeah, I suppose. In Organisms of War, it does reference that she works for a, a specific organization, but she's also an independent contractor, which would explain why she joined Wesker's organization and Neo Umbrella, assuming Neo Umbrella aren't that or- unknown organization. Slav Republic. The fierce battles of 
ravaged the capital for home, thanks to the intervention of American and Russian troops. Today marks the first day in which the world's media has been granted access to the city. A temporary government headed by the U.S. and Russia will be set up in the Eastern Slav Republic to maintain peace. Svetlana Belikova has resigned from her presidency. And all of the companies that supported her and the former government will be thrown out of the country and dismantled. Top brass knew about it right from the beginning, didn't they? <laughs> the report from Scarecrow tipped them off that Svetlana was in possession of BOWs. That's why they pulled out in a panic that ran like hell to join forces with the Russians. To protect themselves, right? You're mistaken. The president had nothing to do with this. Not even we knew what was going on. You have to believe me. Leon, don't... I'm not going anywhere. In the end, nothing's really changed. Everything went according to plan. The facility has been destroyed, and I salvaged the cultivated plaga. But... I haven't decided whether or not I should send it to you. Really? Thank you. That's very kind. Although, I sort of liked the idea of adding an international arrest warrant to my profile. At the end with Ada, did everyone else read into it what I did, her reference, uh, her sort of comment about wanting to add an international arrest warrant to her CV? Direct presumption from that that, you know, who she's speaking to, you know, has the authority to do that. I think they implicate it. It's deliberately vague, I think. It could either be the man has offered to erase the warrant. Yeah. But she's uh, just, she's yeah, just said, yeah. well, fuck I you, I, I don't care. I like the idea, yeah, so she is, because it, uh, it's the Eastern Slav Republic that add it as an international arrest warrant. It might be Simmons, because if the international arrest warrant was issued by Interpol, that he might have the kind of pull necessary to have it rescinded. But again, you know, it could be any... Uh... Pretty sure it's Simmons, because you can actually see the... Uh... You can see his goatee, yeah. can't you? Goatee. Yeah, his, his goatee and his hairstyle. I just love it I if should... it's someone really from the blast from the past is behind it all. D.I.J. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't, no, I mean, you know, we know it's going to be Simmons and stuff. But I was actually playing the uh, HD version of Code Veronica, and you can see D.I.J. much more clearly in that version than any other. He just stands out so, <laughs> so well. He's, he's, a huge, he's a huge, huge rat. Basically, well, he's he's had he's kind of mutated, hasn't he, with his extra intelligence? Yeah, it's it's that's the explanation they gave in the game's guidebook, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but you would have thought if Ada did have this international arrest warrant, you would have thought. I know we don't know the specifics yet, but in Resident Evil Six, Chris would recognise her face when yeah, he runs into it, her in, didn't they in say Eastern it was Europe. Issued by the BSAA and Interpol. Yeah, but it, it might link in nicely with. Carla Radame, that kind of. Thing. I, I'm, I'm keeping myself away from a lot of the spoilers. I don't want. I don't particularly want to know anything. On Resi Five, I found out too much, and it wasn't quite as exciting. So, um... but I was wondering if uh, Ada was sort of playing with uh, Svetlana all along, the way that she doesn't attempt to hide her identity when she says, "Yeah, my name's Ada Wong, and I work for the BSAA." Where a simple background yeah. check would say, "No, that's bollocks." Yeah, the, like... I, that, that annoyed me about the movie because well, I, her, yeah, secretary, kind of... her secretary just does a background check on a whim. He doesn't even do a background check on her. He just looks at the BSA's employee list and says, well, <laughs> yeah. there's no way to Wong here. BSA, that would have been the something team. they would have done first before inviting her along. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that's what bothers me. It's just it's fucking it's so stupid. But rather than them be that stupid, I prefer to think you know she might have done it on purpose, as if to say, yeah, I know you're up to no good here. I know you're probably developing BOWs in your basement. You know, and I've come to get them off you. Um, moving on, what, what would everyone say was their favourite moment in the in the, uh, in the film? I'll say before everyone, uh, mine was the tyrant fight. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Tyrant fight for me as well. Absolutely awesome. George? Uh, yeah, tyrant fight. And if it wasn't for that, I would have said the very beginning exploration in, in the underground corridors. Archelon? I'd probably have to go with the tyrant fight too, though. I, uh, I enjoyed some of the quieter moments of the movie. One thing I really liked was the kind of tension that was there between Ada and Svetlana. I thought that the actual fight scene was kind of unnecessary because I thought they did, I mean, aside from being fan service, I felt like just their conversations and stuff where there was, you know, you could tell there was an animosity there that was kind of like boiling under the surface. And I just thought, I thought that came across a lot better when they were just talking to each other than actually having them throwing punches and kicks sure. at each other. Uh, Batman? I don't know, I quite like Leon's first encounter with the liquor in the car park. I like the way he's sort of following it with his flashlight and you see it jump on the car like 50 yards away from him and then it starts to run at him. I don't know, I just I thought the liquors looked really cool in this. They have that like really nice toothy smile that reminds me of uh, like Giga's alien. You know, the way, yeah. <laughs> the way you can see all the teeth exposed. I really like the liquors in this film. They definitely come off a lot better without being constrained by the limits of video game artificial intelligence and balancing. And it was just generally good to see BOWs in warfare, you know, and they yeah. mentioned this in the um, developers' interviews on, on, on the Blu-ray about, you know, how they wanted to actually do that for the first time, and they were quite proud that they could pull it off. And I think it's the uh, the film's greatest achievement. It's just a shame we don't see a bit more of it, really, because after, like, the first sort of ten minutes... You know, we don't really see anything else of the Civil War for the rest of the film, really. Yeah, it kind of becomes a bit of a ghost town, doesn't it? Just Leon Unless everyone pulled out because they were releasing the Type 2 Plaga. I don't know. It just goes back to this thing. It's just well, lots also, of it is vague, uh, and that's what spoils it a little bit, really. One thing, this was actually another question I had going back to Ada, was you mentioning everyone kind of pulling out, was she says to Leon, this town is going to be purged soon, but nothing ever happens. Oh, and I was wondering... Yeah, it does happen. Like, I'm, it, I'm it pretty does. sure they bomb it. I yeah, the, the bomb it. That's, the bomb it. That's why there's no Ganados in the second half of the film. Svetlana's military. They, was it? The, I thought that was uh, like at the end. I, I know they had the like the U.S. jets bombing. No, this is the uh, the government troops firebomb the area that's got all the Ganados in it. You see it, and you see Svetlana watching it from her office, and she says, "Under." Yeah, when Leon when Leon goes to the car park, you can actually hear the uh, evacuation notice. Oh, okay. I'll have to watch it again because I didn't pick up on that. Because he's in the church with Buddy, isn't it? And all the church starts collapsing and Buddy runs off and Leon just stands there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Even though he's collapsing on him. That's right. For some reason, I didn't uh, connect the class there. So what would everyone score out of 10, Batman? I'd give it an 8. I just, I really enjoyed it. I just wish a few more things were explained. Uh, I mean, I think the cultivated plague was given to the rebels for them to be ex- to use as a test so Svetlana could get combat data on it but it would also make the rebels look like bioterrorists but it just isn't made clear enough so at least at least not yet no so i'll give it an 8 george the way that the tyrants were portrayed the way that the lickers were portrayed and animated tyrants versus lickers 8 out of 10 uh Archelon? uh let's see i really enjoyed it there are a lot of technical aspects to it that kind of graded on me. And then, of course, the, just the overall murkiness of the plot, I would say probably 
7.5. And you, Spot? Yeah, 7.5 for me for the same reasons. The murky plot and the uh, the dialogue as well. <laughs> <laughs> just Leon's personality just seems really contrived and out of place compared to between Degeneration and 6. I liked when he asked Buddy if he wanted to go get a couple beers. I don't know why, I just really uh, enjoyed that. It kind of reminded me when the... In- Mike! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Leon's trying to fill the void. <laughs> yeah, he never he never yelled Ada or like anyone else's name. I was kind of expecting him to go JD. <laughs> oh, and on that note, we will now move on to the final of Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz. Five questions, three participants, and one topic. It's Neptune and Newsy's. Biohazard Quiz! Welcome all, welcome all. The moment you have all been waiting for. This is taking a lot of preparation this week. But we are here, gathered today, for the final of Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz. We will be crowning a winner. The problem that strikes me immediately is Mr. Spencer's absenteeism, and I'm not quite sure what we can do about it. Art Colon, you can obviously play as well, and you can have a go at joining our our leaderboard for the uh, Star and Arisi Price Quiz. All right. I assume you've listened to these podcasts before and you know how the, the rules work. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, normally, when Mr. Spencer's not here, we have you play on behalf of Mr. Spencer. I think we shall, but whether you're allowed to... <laughs> <laughs> we shall. No, we shall, but whether or not you'll be allowed to actually win the quiz for Mr. Spencer. I, I don't I don't mind doing it for Spencer again. Oh, fucking give him the crown now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Mr. Spencer might appreciate it more if... Uh, well, we can I'm I'm not very good with uh, questions that aren't focused on the plot, so... Okay, we'll have have a go. Um, I kind of feel I've got most to lose from this. If you ask me what kind of painting shows up in a fucking RPD hallway or something, I won't have a fucking clue. Okay, that's fine. Then it's settled. Then it's settled. But Newsbot will play on behalf of Mr. Spencer. Are there any questions on (laughs) Gaiden? I just want to put Newsbot at a disadvantage. So, if everyone can get their desktops clear, except for Notepad, let's crack on with question number one. So, question number one. What was Dario Rosso's profession? Oh, yes. On that subject, I was thinking very quickly the other day that we should have a podcast on the more kind of kind of out there and some more eccentric characters, you know, Dario Rosso, you know, guys like that. Yeah, sort of, I, I think they don't get spoken about enough. And they have, like, these, you know, tiny little sort of um, cameos. The Forgotten Heroes. Yeah, exactly. You put it better. <laughs> okay, so yeah, yeah. that's a nice question to get everyone going. So that's question number one. Question number two is from El Veltro. On what date is Billy Cohen court-martialed? Are you kidding me? <laughs> everyone, everyone seems to be going quiet as they rush to their copy of archives. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so has everyone got an answer there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, question number three comes from the Selfish Gene. How many doors does the shield key open in the original oh, PlayStation version of Biohazard? That's a, that's a good question. question. That's a really good question. So I, I presume it's going to be—is it going to be different to the GameCube version? 
Uh, I think so. I mean, he he sent me a ve- like eight questions, and I went through them all. And he's very good. Sent me on the horrors alive, and he used spoiler tags to hide the answers. So I actually had a go answering them all. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the shield key. The shield key, yes. I was shit. I only got. How many did I get? I'm just looking at them now. One, two. I only got three out of eight. So <laughs> I'm not very good at this quiz either. But thank you, thank you, Surface Jim. And I'll use more in future quizzes. So there we go. So that's question number three. So what does uh, how, how many doors does the shield key? Question number four relates to damnation. It's quite difficult actually. Who is the voice actor for JD? So this would have required a lot looking at the credits. I only oh, picked it. I, only picked I actually it. know that one. Do you? I only picked it because he's he's got quite a cool name, and so that's why I chose. That's why I have it. This isn't the quiz that was going to have a special round two that was going to shaft Batman then. I don't know. Maybe we'll find, look, look, there's, no, there's no shaft Batman round. It's just ra- it's just round. It's just round one. Whose question was that? Sorry? That was Who's my question. Mine. That's a shit question, Nick. It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. No, because, I mean, basically, if I get that, you know I'm cheating. So, do you know what I mean? I'm not going to know that. Well, he's the voice actor and the mocap actor as well. Oh, God. There we go. And finally, question number five. The Eastern Slav Republic is north of which country? Now, this is never actually expressed... But there is very briefly on the, I think it's the Organisms of War featurette, there's a map of the country. And then I was able to work out where it was from there based on surrounding cities. Yes. <laughs> Fucking hell. I was, just, I, was, yeah, I was just kind of taking that in what you just said. Yeah. Okay, so that concludes round one. Ah, okay. <laughs> that concludes the quiz. So join us after this when we'll run through the answers. The liquor. Nasty little bugger. This mutation can take an infected host and turn them into a highly lethal predator. Incredibly fast, able to leap to great heights and distance. Because of its bone structure, it moves on all fours, covering ground much more quickly. It has talons that it can use to scale structures and hang from ceilings. This means that it is able to surprise attack from almost anywhere. One thing you must watch out for is the tongue. There are reports, although I have not seen it myself, that the liquor's tongue is capable of decapitating a man. I told you that it is capable of surprise attacks, but there are a couple of things that can save you from an attack. Being blind, the liquors cannot hunt by sight. To compensate, they have highly developed sense of hearing. Your own sense of hearing can help you avoid a surprise attack. Because of the way they move, you can often hear the scraping sounds of their claws and the flesh of their bodies moving against the surfaces where they're climbing. They're also known to make a very distinct hissing sound. If you do manage to kill one, they may emit a high-pitched scream. This is most likely to alert others to their location. Let's see what everyone has put for their answers. So, question number one was what was Dario Rosso's profession? Uh, George Trevor, you seem quite confident with that one. Yeah, I got very confident. Then I suddenly realised what I'm thinking of is maybe more what he wanted to do in life. Okay. I thought he was a novelist, but now I'm thinking he was just lamenting the fact that he wasn't a well-known novelist in a file. Okay. Batman? Um, Yeah, I've fallen into the same trap, I think. Don't nick my answer. (laughs) No, because he was was an aspiring writer, wasn't he? Yes. Bollocks. I I don't know. No, I don't know. I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, caretaker. Caretaker. Something. New spot? A salesman who wants to be a writer. Or a novelist. <laughs> ah. And Archelon? 
I fell into the trap too. I put writer. Writer. Yeah, the. Uh, well, I, I was unaware I've set this trap. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I've put novelist extraordinaire. Because... I think Newsbot's right though. I think Newsbot is right. So well, well done, Newsbot. That's my bad as a host, but never mind. Um, question number two came from El Voltro. And what date was Billy Cohen court-martialed? Uh, did you know this one, Archelon? I did not. No, you did not. Okay. My answer was, are you kidding me? <laughs> Newsbot? July 22nd. July 22nd. Batman? Yeah, July 22nd. And George? I'm so tempted to say July 22nd. I really don't. I didn't know. I had no idea. You had no idea. Yeah, the, correct, yes, the correct answer is July 22nd, so well done, John. Why it says, according to Project Umbrella, you're both in the timeline section? <laughs> well, there is no timeline section. No, no that was just a <laughs> Brilliant, nice one. Question number three came from Selfish Gene. How many doors does the shield key open in the original Biohazard? Uh, what did you put, Batman? It's only one, isn't it? Isn't it just the attic? Just going for one? Yeah. George? Um, just one. Um, in Remake, it just opens the rear door where you meet Yawn. Okay. Uh, Archelon? Uh, one. And Mr. Spencer slash Newsbot? I put two because I haven't, I haven't played the original in many years. And I didn't know if it was different from the remake. Ah, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it is only one. It is. Darn. Very good, very good, everyone. So points on the board for everyone now, which is good news indeed. Uh, question number four was, who is the voice actor and mocap actor, actually, for JD in Damnation? Archelon seemed to know that one, so we'll come to him last. Batman, did you know? Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> so close. George? No, I, no, I had no idea. Uh, Newsbot? Bollock Knuckle. <laughs> Who's? Pardon me? <laughs> Bless you. Archelon? Was, uh, Val Tasso? I probably butchered that name. No, that's that's correct. Well done. Sorry, was that was that a silly question? No, I apologise. I just remember he was the only one that did both the mocap and the voice acting. Mm, he did. And finally, question number five was: the Eastern Slav Republic is north of which country? Archelon, did you know this? The southeastern Slav Republic. <laughs> Brilliant. Newsbot? Uh, no idea. George? North. Iran. <laughs> Iran. <laughs> <laughs> oh, north of it. Oh, no, sorry, wait. The Slav Republic is north of this, or this is north? The Eastern Slav Republic is north okay. of, so Scotland is north of England. Yeah, no, don't know. <laughs> sorry. Hazard, I guess. Iran. Iran, okay, we'll stick with Iran. <laughs> Batman? Um, I'm going to say Albania. Close. It's Hungary. If you look at the map, it's near, oh. it, it bought near, it's near the border of Budapest. Do you mind, like, do you well, mind? Like, I've not seen the map, but Albania is southeast Europe, correct? And Eastern Slav Republic is north of Albania, if it's near Hungary. It's, it, no, Batman, no. What? I'm getting you yeah. said Eastern Slav Republic, the Eastern Slav Republic is north of which country? It's yeah. north. I think he's getting wide, Nick. It's north of which country? Hungary, right? Hungary is north of Albania. Yeah, but is the Eastern Slav Republic north of Albania? Yes, but... Is it, Nick? Is it? Is it? You could say bloody South Africa and be right. <laughs> you should write in questions better, shouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving you that, Batman. <laughs> that concludes round one. Uh, the final scores. Archelon, you scored two. Therefore, you are 
on the leaderboard with two points. <laughs> I can't work that out where you are, well done. But um, not too bad, not too bad, not too shabby. Uh, Batman, you finish with 41 points. Very good. George, Trevor, you only scored one point this quiz. Mm. You finished with 32 and a half, but we don't like half figures, so we'll round you up. For Dario almost being a novelist. Yeah, yeah, we'll, ra- we'll round you up to 33 points. That's your final score. And Mr. Spencer, in case he's interested, finishes on 32 points because you scored two points. New spot. Disappointing for you, new spot. <laughs> no one won the quiz this week. No, it was joint. Uh, no one actually won the quiz. It was joint with Archelon and. Batman and Newsbot slash Mr. Spencer. Right, so that concludes round one. And because it's a very special quiz, the last quiz, we now move on to round two, which I'm tentatively calling Survival Horror Family <laughs> Fortunes. It's time for Survival Horror Family Fortunes. And here is your Project Umbrella family. George Trevor, Mr. Spencer and the Batman. Let's play round two of Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz! Here's Neptune! Thank you very much, and welcome to Survival Horror Family Fortunes. A very special round. This is a one-off occasion. Now, I'm not sure if Archelon, he can play along as well. No, he can't, actually. No, you can't. There's, it's, only, it's only three players. Well, fine! <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> this will determine the actual winner of Neptune and Yuzi's Biohazard Quiz. And I'm sure, because we're all British, we are familiar with Family Fortunes. But this is Survival Horror Family Fortunes. It's just as dead as Family Fortunes. It's just as, yes, very good, very good. So, without further ado, let's play. We asked 100 members of the general public a biohazard-related question, and we're looking for the top three answers that they gave. Depending on how many people said your answer determines your score. So if 20 people said your answer, you'll score 20 points, and you'll hear this noise. If you give an answer that no one said, you'll hear this noise. This is a big opportunity to score big points, so ultimately we're looking for the top most obvious answers. So we asked the public to name a hunter from the Biohazard series. We first turn to Mr. Spencer Newsbot, who is in last place on 32 points. As they were looking for the top three answers. Uh, Hunter Alpha. Hunter Alpha. And our survey says... Yes, it's there. Well done. But it's only answer number two. Nine points. No, not so this not. is basically Family Feud. Family Feud, yes, that's what it's called in America. Yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, okay, all right. So well done, Mr. Spencer Newsbot. That was nine points. He's only answer number two. We next turn to George Trevor, who is in second place and is on 33 points. Can you do any better? Oh, can... Hunter Alpha was only number two. Yeah, only answer number two, so there's a more obvious answer, but can you name a Hunter from the Biohazard series? The Hunter 2 from Code Veronica? The Hunter 2, our survey says... Yes, yes, it's there, but it's answer number three, only eight points. <sighs> well, so we now move on to Batman. We're looking for the top answer. 
Only nine people said Hunter Alpha, only eight people Hunter 2, so therefore there's a much more obvious answer worth a staggering 83 points. Batman, can you tell me the most likely answer to win Tuna uh, Newsy's Biohazard quiz? I'm going to say the sweeper. The sweeper. And our survey says... <coughs> oh no, what a shame! Oh dear, sorry there's no points there for Batman. Let's have a look at that final answer. No, it's the MA120 Alpha from the Resident Evil 2 X-Files on the N64. Of course. That's the most popular answer. Of course it was. Who did you ask? Of course, and that's worth a staggering. 83 people said that. Amazing, amazing. No points for Batman. So let's look at the final scores. And would you, Adam and Eve, that means Batman remains on 41 points. George Trevor, you also finish on 41 points. <laughs> and Mr. Spencer, Newsbot, you also finish on 41 points. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> it's almost as if it's been pre-planned. Almost. Almost. But thankfully, I have prepared for such an eventuality. Oh, that's lucky. We have a tie-break question. Oh, I so sort of wish I'd got that MA120 now just to fuck up your stupid plot. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, we come to the killer, killer question. The tie-break question. This will decide who wins. Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz. All the work, all your knowledge of Resident Evil is going to be put to the test. And your fate lies in the hands of an Australian. I hope it's a worthy question. Thank you, Selfish Gene, for your question. This has been select. Well, just one, one question. Just one question. You will have 30 seconds to think of an answer, and then I will ask each of you in turn <laughs> answer what your answer is. The closest person to it, or person who gets exactly right, will win. So are we ready? How many bombs are there on the Made in Heaven vest from Biohazard 2? Ah, oh, fuck. How many what? Bombs? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I thought they were kind of like bullets. I know what you mean. That's your 30 seconds up. I can feel the nerves and tension around the studio. Right. George Trevor, what is your answer? My answer? Yes. Neptune? Yes. Is 24. Mr. Spencer, Newsbot? Um. 7? Oh, oh wait! Sorry, go on, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm gonna say it at the very end, before you give the answer. Go on. Batman. Uh, I haven't got a clue, so I'm gonna play dirty and say seven. You can't say seven. Why? You're going for seven. Archelon, you can have a crack, although not. Yeah, gone. Uh, Seventeen. Uh, can I just say my answer, twenty-four, does yep. not include does not include the one that the angel is holding. Well, she's holding one. 
So if it's including that, it's 25. Because they're around her, and then she's holding one. 25, including the one she's holding. George, can you send me that picture when you finish with it? <laughs> <laughs> Calm, gentlemen. Calm. No, they're, 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 they're from Queen. I'm, they're from Queen albums. There is a winner. Obviously. Someone is closest. The actual answer was actually correct by Archelon. It is 17, which means that the actual winner of Neptune News is by has a quiz. It's George Trevor! I don't understand how it's me. Because so, you were the closest. Oh, after, you mean after? I was closer than Batman. You both said seven. Mr. Spencer and Batman both said seven. Oh. Archelon got it right. Yeah, but he's uh, not playing. This is for this is for the actual... Archelon got it <laughs> dead right. So therefore, the, act, the person who got so, it closest... I, listen, listen, George, listen. George I think got it, it wrong and still wins. Yes, because I said quite <laughs> clearly at the beginning. I but, think, oh. listen, anyone who's familiar with Project Umbrella, who uses Biohaze, where you're a staff member as well, I think will be fully aware that I just know a lot more about Resident Evil than you do. It's very true. So congratulations. <laughs> congratulations to George Trevor. You are the first series winner of Neptune News's Biohazard Quiz. Thank you very much. Can I share my prize with John and Paul, who clearly know far more than I do? And who I, <laughs> most, of what, most, of, most of what I've learned has come from John. So that concludes the quiz for this week and this series for, in fact, for next time we will be uh, starting all the questions and resetting the scores. So, Batman, you've got that chance to win the quiz next time. Better luck. Better luck. What, what's my prize? What's your prize? I can send you, if you really want, a... Oh, oh, Resident Evil Monopoly. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you can have a Resident Evil sweatband. Thank you very much. I didn't even know they made those. I've got one, yeah. <laughs> so brilliant so join us next podcast when we we'll start wash it before you John, I'll, I'll, I'll wear the sweatband for a bit and then I'll send it on to you with your with your copy thanks. of Operation Mackenzie thanks mate <laughs> so join us join us for the next podcast where we'll be going through some new questions a new quiz uh, scores will be reset rivalries will be rekindled <laughs> and we will of course be joined this time permanently by Stars Tyrant who will add a whole new dimension to Neptune and Uses Biohazard Quiz join us then, thank you for listening <laughs> That's John, you're, you're, you're not upset are you? no <laughs> <laughs> I won't be bothered with the fact that you won it on getting the question wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to think of a question where there was a... Because there's a good chance you could have all said the same thing and I couldn't be bothered having loads more tie-break questions. Anyways, so next podcast, we're going to be looking at Biohazard 6, which is going to be epic, as Patrick Stewart would say. We're going to be dissecting Resident Evil 6 in all its glory. As all keen listeners will know, we've kind of hastily gone through the last three podcasts at a quick speed to try and bring everyone up to speed for Biohazard 6. So uh, that's that's the plan. Biohazard 6 obviously comes out next Tuesday, which is an odd day. 
for for a from computer game at least in this country. I know it's all going to go wrong. I've got mine pre-ordered through GameStation now, who completely fucked up with Mass Effect Three, and on the day um, of release, just announced that they didn't have any copies because they couldn't come to an agreement or something. Um, so, they didn't have any money to buy any copies. Or was that what it was? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a bit concerned about. I'm not too confident with what's going to happen on Tuesday when I go into GameStation, but we'll see. Oh well. Can I just say I can't believe how quickly this year's gone by. I mean, how many of these have we done now? Twelve. Thirteen, including episode zero. Resident Evil Six hadn't even been announced when we did the first one. Mm. I can't believe it's come round so quick. Because the wait between I know four and five was a lot longer, but it seemed to take forever. Whereas this, it just seems to have flown by. I well, think it's just because they announced it yeah, at the beginning of the year. I the yeah. same year that 4 came out. So we've got, <laughs> I say, very, very exciting. All we look forward to. Uh, I, I don't know on, of an exact date yet. It depends on it's how. Not, I think we're all going to at least a week, aren't we, to play it? Yeah. There's no rush. We can do it like end of October sometime. Yeah, there is. So, but that should be great. That should be great. We, we uh, Everyone will be able to have a, a nice discussion on that, I hope. By then, we'll have dissected the story, I think. I think so, and, hope, and everyone's hopefully completed it, played all the relevant chapters, and formed their own opinions on the game. And Newsbot will have enlightened us as to how garbage the translation is. Yes. <laughs> Can I just be clear? Nobody that's participated on this podcast has made up their mind about Resident Evil 6 yet. Uh, no, I haven't. No. Can you really make your mind up about it, though, without having played the full game? Oh, no, not at all. No, I, I was saying I haven't made my mind up. I was just kind of referencing some of my maybe more harsher posts. But no, no, I've not made up my mind at all. Oh, so it's all very exciting. So on that note, I bid you farewell of Series 1 of the quiz and the podcast. So join us next time. Thank you very much for listening. And it's goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Newsbat. It's goodbye from me, George Trevor, the winner. Can I just remind everyone of, of the <laughs> beating Batman? And goodbye from Arcalon. Thank you all again for having me. Which means that the actual winner of Neptune News is by has a quiz. It's George Trevor! The winner, that's the money one, of, of the <laughs> beating Umbrella, who uses Biohaze, where you're a staff member as well, I think will be fully aware that I just know a lot more about Resident Evil than you do.